Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 54 of the Wulong Talks podcast. Hi, my name is Jason. And as usual, I'm joined by my homie, Rich Kid, a.k.a. The Wrestling Kid, a.k.a. Rich Reviews, a.k.a. Mr. Just Joined Twitter. Ooh, what's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this Twitter thing is not easy, bro. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I joined, what, what's today, Wednesday? Mm-hmm. I joined on Monday. I don't know. I'm kind of bored of it, man. There's a lot of reading. I like pictures. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, well, yeah, listen, yeah, you yeah. need to send him lots of pictures because, like, yeah, words are a bit complicated for rich kids. So. <laughs> yeah, pictures, pictures, pictures. <laughs> but, yeah, man, um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, choosing us to listen to on your journey wherever it is you're going whether you're commuting or whether you're at home um whatever it is you're doing thank you for tuning in and listening to us um sorry it's been a little while since we've had a a podcast down but you know as is always the case with us sometimes life gets in the way and it is what it is but you know we're we're always here and we're always trying to come up with new things to to do and one of the things that we are going to be doing very soon is is posting up some videos on instagram tv so for all of you instagram followers out there who are, who are listening to this make sure you check out our channel on igtv we'll be posting up videos on there quite frequently actually very soon so look out for that um, and yeah, as I said, we'll we'll be back in the swing of things with the podcast regularly, hopefully going forward. So yeah, you should have some some good stuff going coming your way. Um, hopefully, you've been enjoying the Bebop rewatch as well. We should have a, another episode of that recorded this week too. Um, so let us know if you've been in, you know listening to it and if you've been watching the show as well, um, because I mean we've been really enjoying rewatching it and and reliving the experience of it. So we hope you're doing the same as well. But um, yeah, Rich, how you been, man? What you been up to? Have you been doing anything geeky this past week since we last recorded? Well, has it been a week since we recorded? That was, um, it, I think so, yeah. Since it the last feels longer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, since the people, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, since then, listen, you, you know what I've been up to, man. I've been killing that Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and, I'm hooked, and, I'm, and I'm hooked on Destiny 2, man. Spider-Man and Destiny 2, that's, that, that's, that, yeah, that's, that's about as geeky as I've been getting, to be honest. Cool. Um, what else have I have I watched anything? I well, Iron Fist season two, which is the reason why we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got about half an hour in to Solo, a Star Wars story. Okay. Um, and yeah, but I think we, we can we can talk more about that, you know, in, in another show. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure, we'll go yeah, over but, that. Yeah, but, but but yeah, but so far it seems to be uh, quite an enjoyable romp. Mm. Is the best way to put it. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, it continues that tone throughout throughout the rest of the film. But um, but apart from that, yeah, that's about as geeky as I've been. Cool. I've still got a little bit of a pickup to do for my comic books for last week because I missed, mm. and now this week. So um, that probably happened on the weekend uh, when I take my boy to go and see Paddington, 
in Paddington Station. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I was meant to ask you about that. What, what is it? Is it like a Paddington display or like a... No, it's just, no, it's, it's just a Paddington statue that's, that's been put there because of Paddington. I think, oh, it's right. been there for, I think it's been there for time, you know. Really? Yeah, I think oh. it's been there for like years. In fact, let me Google this now. Because while, while, while <laughs> like, the thing is, I'm sure I've heard of it, but I've just been like, hold on, the mm. fuck am I going to go see Paddington for? But then, you know, <laughs> but then you end up having like a child, mm. you, know, you know, like a six-year-old then who likes Paddington, and then you realise like, yeah, an L for me is a W for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the joys of being a parent, man. Yeah, Paddington Bear <laughs> statue in Paddington Station. Okay, okay. So just bear with me, people. This is Paddington. It's where he found. Yeah, I understand. This is where he found. Nineteen fifty-eight. Nope, that's when the story came out. Yeah, you know what? Once again, <laughs> this is just like Twitter. Too many words. Yeah. <laughs> Too many damn words about a bear who wears a, who wears a duffel coat and a hat. I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> fair enough, man. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, um, for me, I mean, as said, apart from the reason why we're here to talk today, which is Iron Fist Season 2, um, I have been watching a lot of movies. Uh, for those of you who... who listen to our movie reviews uh, is it worth a tenner review um thank you for that first and foremost um i have had a lot of feedback about that recently and i really appreciate it as well um i'm kind of behind on those reviews at the moment so i think for the next set what i'm gonna try and do is just bundle them together in twos because i've seen a lot of movies um i went to go and see the equalizer 2 which i didn't really enjoy that much to be honest um what else have i seen i saw black clansman um, which was great. I saw Searching, which was also great. Um, although the ending was a little bit weak with, with Searching, I felt. But other than that, I thought it, it was a really good movie and very well acted as well. Um, what else have I seen? Uh, I'm about halfway through The Meg. I, I watched half of it and then fell asleep. But I don't think that it's because it's bad. It's just because I tried to watch it at like 2 a.m. in the morning. And, you know, that's never a good idea really to to try and watch a brand new movie at 2 a.m. So, yeah, I fell asleep during that one. So I'll have a review of that shortly. Um, and I'm hoping to try and see The Predator tomorrow. But I'm very, very anxious about it because I've tried to avoid reviews as where I can. But the couple of reviews that I've seen from reviewers that I, I trust have, have not been good. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But, um, yeah, aside from that, I have played a bit of destiny dipped my toe into the first one and then got friends invites from people that i don't know and promptly jumped off because as i've said before in this podcast i'm anti-social when it comes to gaming if i don't know you i'm not adding you fam so don't like send <laughs> requests i don't care about your clan and i don't want to be in your clan um <laughs> but aside from that i also got a copy of uh, sleeping dogs the definitive edition um, again, if you listen to this podcast, you know how much I love my sleeping dogs. So uh, I've been replaying that and I've really enjoyed it so far. It's um, the, the game is expanded a lot from the PS3 version that I played. And it also includes a lot of DLC that came out with um, the original game as well. So, yeah, I'm getting a lot more uh, enjoyment out of it on the PS4, I have to say. So, yeah, it's been it's been good. And I also started reading um, Tade Thompson's new book, Rosewater, which is uh, out officially tomorrow. 
Um, but again, if you follow us on Instagram, make sure you check out our IGTV and our Instagram because we'll be having some more details about that and we'll probably throw up a review of the book on there um, shortly as well. So, yeah, make sure you check that out. But as Rich said, we're here for a reason and that reason is Iron Fist. Um, Iron Fist Season 2 released, uh, when was it? Last week? Friday, was it, Rich? Uh yeah, it can't be. It can't I think be it was last week, ago. Friday, wasn't it? Yeah, was it two weeks? It was no, it released September seventh, so it's two weeks. Oh right, okay, so it's two weeks ago. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it released uh, two weeks ago on Friday. Uh, we've now worked our way through the ten episodes that have been released, and we're going to give you our thoughts on that. Um, just a warning before we begin. Uh, obviously, this is going to contain spoilers. Um, so. Yeah, if you haven't seen the series yet, then you probably don't want to be listening to this discussion just yet. Make sure you go and watch the series first and then come back and listen to this if you want to avoid any kind of spoilers or, or any details um, that you didn't want to know about beforehand. So, um, yeah, I mean, boy, I guess we might as well start with the review. So what was your kind of initial thoughts after you finished it? I mean, first of all, I should say to you, really, how did you feel about um, the fact that it was 10 episodes rather than the traditional sort of 13 that we get for Marvel Netflix shows? See, now it's weird because the whole thing about this is, you know, about 13 episodes for, for the Marvel Netflix shows is that people were saying that it felt too long. And, and I actually well, do agree with that. I mean, I mean, yeah, 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 I, yes, yes, yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah, I never complained. No, I mean, you know what? I, I could see where people were, 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 you know, had had reason to complain for, but I, but I didn't. It, it never really bothered me. Um, compared to Iron Fist season one, I was like, yeah, man, fuck it. Like, you know, the the less, you know, <laughs> you know, the less the better. And then I ended up finishing the ten se- the, the ten episodes, and I actually thought to myself, you know what? The way how this story was structured as much as it might have had like it you know it's it's issues here and there it actually would have actually it actually would have been better if it was 13 episodes mm. that's how i felt about this yeah right. like there's been seasons of like you know just no, what luke cage season one that to me that dragged at certain points um, mm. when, especially when it started getting towards the end of the season um i mean luke um iron fist season one just dragged anyway and 13 episodes just made it even more torturous but but this one, I was like, yeah. In fact, you know what? You actually could have added a three, a couple more episodes on there, just to try and flesh things out, you know, a bit better. So yeah, that, that's how I felt about it. Mm. Um, yeah, I wasn't so bothered with the ten episodes, to be honest, because I I kind of felt like I got enough of the story that I guess they were trying to tell within um, those episodes. Um, so I didn't really miss it as such. Um, in a way that maybe I might have done had it been one of the other shows that they've been doing. But with this particular one, 10 felt like, oh, excuse me, sorry, 10 felt like enough. So I feel like, you know, 10 was 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 kind of okay, um, just about okay, really, for, for what they were doing. Um, but, I mean, it, it did make it easier to kind of watch it. Uh, uh, with the 13 episodes, it does you do feel like you're kind of um, committing a lot of your time to the, the those 13 episodes and you really do have to binge watch it in order to get through. Whereas with the 10 episodes, I kind of felt, I know it sounds weird, but I felt less pressure to, to finish it all. Um, mm. I kind of felt like I could take it at my own pace. So I could watch two or three episodes, stop, 
sleep, do other things, then, you know, watch another two or three episodes, stop, and then so on. You know, it, it just didn't feel like I had to kind of get through at least six before I, I had a clear understanding of what was going on. So so that was, was kind of a, a positive, really, um, in terms of, of where it went. Um, what was your kind of favourite episodes, if, if you had any, in the season? Um, my favourite episode is, is, is probably the one when Misty Knight and Colleen Wing, when they basically when they go to go when they go to visit the Crane Sisters. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that. It was to me that episode was their version of when Danny Rand goes to visit Luke Cage mm. in in episode ten of like season two of Luke Cage, mm. and, and and it just and it kind of gives you like an inkling of like what is or what what can possibly happen if there is a spin-off and ha- and how much those guys can vibe and um yeah and, and yeah clean and misty they, they just they just work so well man this is is actually a joke um yeah, yeah so yeah so I, I like that and i like the fact you know yeah it, it almost felt like it was just their episode mm. you know it, it didn't feel like it was an iron like it was it was an iron fist but i mean that's something that we're going to touch upon anyway but yeah, but it, it just felt like it they finally got a time to like to really, really shine. And um and just them just going about doing their business. You know, there's a bit where they're sitting in the car and they're just talking their talk. And it and it just felt like, you know, like 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 a body cop movie or like how a body cop movie should be, you know. Mm. They're like they're just, just having normal conversation. The thing I like about it is they're just having just normal conversations and they're like, hey. Look, there's some ninjas over there. Let's go find some ninjas. <laughs> like, I, 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 I like shit like that. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I like it when out of the ordinary stuff, all of a sudden becomes ordinary. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that, I reckon that that well, I, I think that was my favorite my favorite episode out of the season. Mm. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you to be honest. I think it's episode six, the the dragon dies at dawn. Yeah. Yes, um, it is. Yeah. 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 I like. I, I did like that episode. Um, for much of the same reasons as as you, really. I liked the chemistry that, that Colleen and, and Misty Knight seem to have. Um, they just work really, really well together. There's there's a real kind of naturalness to the way that they are with each other as characters, which makes it, you know, believable that they would be friends. Um, and as, as you said, they just kind of, they, they play off each other really, really well. Like the scene mm. in the car where they're kind of discussing, you know, what Colleen wants to do with her future and, um, Misty sort of talking to her about police work and, and things like that and I think she says something along the line it plays havoc with your sex life or, or something like that yeah, and it just yeah. felt like kind of it just felt natural you know it felt like a natural conversation between um, these two people and um, I really in- enjoyed that and I like the showdown with the, the Crane sisters as well yeah, um, yeah. Was, was that would you say that was your favourite fight in, in the series as a whole? Um you know what? Yeah, I, I think it is. It, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. In fact, it was a toss-up between that and when Colleen finally fights against Davos's disciples, mm. um, or pupils, should I say, disciples? Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah, well, like disciples. Because yeah, yeah, there was, was a fabric. A cult leader, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, in, uh, against the disciples in the, in the parking lot. But but I think the fight against the Crane Sisters. It, it basically, I think it just edges out the fight in the parking lot just because of the way how it's framed. And there's, there's, there's a nice bit of tension that's built up in, in that scene as well. Mm. And there's the whole thing where you've got Misty Knight 
and Colleen basically fight against the, you know, fight fighting alongside each other against the against these other females or, or these other women, and um, and I like that because it gave them both a chance to shine mm. and express their their own like body language through you know through the fighting in the scene. So you've got one person who does the martial arts, and then you know you've got someone who's a bit more brash and a lot more heavy handed. So in in essence, it like I said, it remind once again it reminds me of the of the um of the episode 10 of Luke Cage where you're able to show the distinct difference between these people but then you know but you know but it, but they have something in common is that okay well we like to we like to put a beat a, a bit of a beat down on people mm. so yeah so yes yeah so i i really really like the episode mm. yeah definitely i i like that episode and i liked the 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 way that um the confrontation between the two of them and the crane sisters that was like a lot a lot of fun but um, going back a little bit, I mean, we we had a new um, head writer for this series. Um, I think his name is M. Raven Metzner. Um, yeah, yeah, Raven. And <clears throat> when you know he was kind of introduced um, to the the fan world, I guess uh, at Comic Con, um, you know, and and the fact that this was at New York Comic Con when they announced um, Iron Fist season two was going ahead last year. Um, you know, a lot was made of the fact that he is uh, a martial arts movie fan and he's a Kung Fu fan and he's a fan of, you know, this type of genre. So I really wanted to ask you to, to get your opinion on on this because, you know, everybody knows you're the, the Kung Fu guy. Well, I'm a Kung Fu guy too, but you're the Kung Fu guy. <laughs> so did you feel that this show was written by somebody who, who is a fan of, of the genre? And what I mean by that is, like, did you feel there was enough um, tips of the hat, shall we say, or, or nods to kind of the, the conventions of, you know, a typical kung fu movie? And, and um, do you think he was able to translate that with the the work that he did on the, you know, the, the story arc overall and, and, and th things like that, I guess, is what I'm asking. Um, to be honest, I mean, me personally... I don't think he was able to translate it like mm. that. Like, and, and, and I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, like I said, not, not to jump too far ahead. I don't think the show was bad. It, the, the, the show itself definitely isn't amazing, mm. but it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a lot better than the first season. <clears throat> but, um, but as, but as you, you know, as you said, Jay, I mean, like when we heard that someone else was going to be taken over from Scott Buck from season one, I was super happy. And then yeah. I did look at Raven's, like you know, uh, I did look at Raven's CV, and I was a bit dubious. Mm. Um, I mean, he'd he'd he'd, he'd show run a show run a couple of shows that I hadn't watched, but I knew people that had watched them. Um, and I know that one of them was Sleepy Hollow, and so I actually did talk to my brother, and he said that Sleepy Hollow was a decent show, and I spoke to a couple of other people, and they said that I think it ran for something like four seasons or five seasons, and I was yeah. like, okay, yeah, that's 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 pretty good for a show that's based off a one trick pony. Mm. Um, about a headless horseman. So yeah, so I was like, okay, fair enough. He must have done something right. Um, but yeah, he he. But there's still a lot of like martial artsisms that that were missing that that are, that are generally so easy to do. And mm. to be fair, is actually as much as the whole show of Iron Fist probably had the hardest job of being translated onto screen due to like the, you know the magic and the mysticism behind Danny Rand and the you know. The magical city of Conlon and you know and a and the freaking you know full breathing dragon called Shaolao. Mm. Um at the same time, 
it's so easy to you know to make it relatable to people who like to watch a bit of a throwdown on screen and um and yeah and i mean yeah he 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 kind of just he, he kind of just missed the point and i and i remember me and you jay were talking or i think i was talking to somebody else and it's still something that's missing from that show that the other shows have been able to do so well especially mm, in their mm. second seasons yeah i think yeah. that luke cage is i mean luke cage is is perfect in the second season in the way how it feels like a 70s exploitation tv show or film you know they like that you know down to the music down to you know down to the colors down to the way how people talk and they the way they how the action and way and this and the way how it's actually shot it feels a lot more confident in its second season uh, same thing for jessica jones jessica jones delves more into like the private investigator um side of the character which is basically what she is mm. as opposed to the first season you know you've got like in the second season of jessica jones you've got like um, voiceovers you know which which harks back to you know to you know to you know to detective novels but you know written by mickey Sp was it mickey spillane M yeah mickey spillane? yeah mm. mickey spillane you know with characters called mike cameron stuff i mean this did i mean jessica jones and that type of genre is more your up your alley, Jay, but I know enough to be like, okay, that's the reason why they're doing this and that's the reason why it works. Mm. Um, and then obviously with Daredevil, you've got the whole thing of like, you know, what they set out to do was we're going to make a, law and or a show like Law and Order and this person just happens to be a vigilante and they're going to go side by side. Once again, perfect. But with mm. Iron Fist, I mean, you, you, you could have done, there's so many things. I mean, just off the top of my head, I think there's certain things that should be done in a martial arts film or a martial arts show. And one of them should be that at some point your hero should have no top on and should have, and should be surrounded by people and have to have a fight. Mm. And mm. people who, people who might not know martial arts um, would be like, well, well, well what, I don't know. What does that mean? And it's like, yeah, well, it is just, it's just a thing. You watch any Bruce Lee film and at some point Bruce Lee will lose his top. Jackie, you watch a Jackie Chan film when Jackie Chan was younger. At some point, he would lose his top. Watch any martial arts films from the 70s, 60s or 70s or 80s, and there will be a scene like that. So it, it's, it's, not, it's, it's those visual cues that you, need to, that, you know, that you need to see that to be like, okay, I know where you got that from. You know, even that, let's say it could even be like a little thing where Danny's like doing like a little move and he just brushes his nose, he brushes his nose with his thumb. And he can be like, yeah, that's, that's a Bruce Lee move. And... You know, it, and the reason why I keep on citing somebody like Bruce Lee is because he may not have made. I mean, some people say that he's the best martial art, martial artist in the world. That's that's up for debate. Um, but it's one of those things where I'll use him as a benchmark because he's one of the. Well, he's basically the person that introduced martial arts to the West in the seventies. So he set up quite a few genres that a lot of other martial arts films might follow. So you, so once again, you've got a blueprint there that you could easily just copy. And and I think that the, the the Raven, you know, Raven, who the the, the showrunner, I don't think he delved enough into it hmm. to make it feel like a martial arts, like a martial arts show. Apart from the fact that people are doing martial arts and it's set in Chinatown, and and yeah, and there's a lot of Oriental people as as cast members. Hmm. Yeah, I think you hit on a on a fantastic point about the. Um the the hero having to face kind of insurmountable odds and they're always being like a fight scene where you know the hero has to take on at some point in the story has to take on you know 10 guys at once or or something like that it's it's kind of a staple of the genre that for some reason iron fist overlooks um and it's not 
necessarily something that would pop out to somebody who's who's not you know who who isn't necessarily that much of a fan of martial arts movies um but for you know for for people who are fans of the genre they would expect to see something like that within you know the movie there's always you know when you think of martial arts movies it even like i'm trying to think of like some of the scraping the bottom of the barrel martial arts movies here and i'm the only one that can come that comes to mind at the moment is mortal kombat and by the way that's not shade at mortal kombat i love i love that movie i'll love it till the day that i die even though it's terrible i love it i don't care what anyone says <laughs> but even that has its scenes where you know the heroes have to take on like 30 odd guys and it it just kind of it, it's a, a staple was said of, of the martial arts movie genre in the sense that it shows you how the hero can overcome you know these incredible odds that are stacked against them um and i don't think we ever really got that in iron fist season two i i don't really remember a scene where where danny had to take on like a whole heap of guys i mean uh, you know we got the hallway scene in in season one which was just dreadful because the choreography was so bad but you know, we never really got that in in this season, and it's kind of disappointing to me that that things like that weren't really pressed home. You know, um, again, like you again to echo what you said. I mean, I don't mean to keep copying what you said, but know, things like you know, like you said, we we didn't really lean on you know the mythology of of Shaolo, um, even though yeah, okay, they they kind of touched on it a bit in the defenders and and things like that, but. You know, the Defenders is, is quite a long time ago now. And as said, Shaolo is so intrinsic to to Danny Rand and, and the Iron Fist that it seems weird that it's kind of, you know, it's mentioned a couple of times in passing, but not really part of the story that they were trying to tell. Um, and, you know, if it's going to be a, a show about a character who does, you know, martial arts and, and kung fu and has this mythology behind him, then, you know, why not lean into that a bit more? Um, I guess we kind of got some of that from the plot in terms of, you know, the uh, confrontation between Danny and, and Davos and, um, you know, the rivalry between them. But it, it just didn't feel, I don't know, it didn't feel authentic, I, I guess is the, the only way I can kind of put it, really. Um, what did you think of the the overall story, like, and, and the kind of, you know, the idea that they're these two brothers who are, are kind of feeding? Because I suppose, in a way, that's kind of a martial arts movie staple in, in, in some regards. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what were your general thoughts on, like, kind of the, the, the story as a whole and, and the way that they told it? Did you think it was, was effective, or did you think they were kind of missing things that... that seemed obvious to us well well i think it it did seem a bit drawn out and confusing mm. ever so slightly mm. um this is i mean basically i mean when, when i looked at um <clears throat> sorry when i looked at like um season two of iron fist i considered this the end of say like uh like phase one mm. you know like you know you got the phases in the mcu to me i consider this the, the end of phase one or basically, or the beginning of phase two, and so you've got this whole story about ever since the hand have been, you know, have been destroyed. There's there's like a power vacuum in Chinatown, and but then I sit down and I think to myself, and I'm just like, yeah, but the hand wasn't just Chinatown. That the hand were, you know, they were a big organization. They wouldn't just be in Chinatown. They they'd been other places. So 
the thing that confused me is that there's this whole big scale, this whole big scale of everything that's been that that led up to the defenders, and come by the time we get to Iron Fist, everything has been shrunk down, and then you've just got this one person, or there were two people, well, ends up sorry being three people, and a bunch of hanger on hanger runners, basically being caught in the middle of like a turf war, and it it, it never ever really felt dangerous to me. Mm. That's the thing. There were yeah. dangers all around the corner. So you, you got you, you know, you got the turf war happening, and you've got Davos happening as well, and then you've got Typhoid Mary happening. But it didn't feel, it didn't feel dangerous. I mm. wasn't scared for like for like for any of the main characters. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm explaining myself properly, but yeah, it's just no, no, yeah, okay, yeah, exactly. What yeah, they, 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 there were no stakes. Yeah, exactly. In, in That's what, exactly what yeah. I was gonna say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. There, there, there wasn't stakes. Is is what you're saying, basically? That mm, it didn't mm. feel like the stakes were very high. Um, and again, it's a, a problem that they keep running into with Iron Fist in comparison to the other stories that we've seen. Um, I keep forgetting the Punisher out of this as well. Um, but it, it, you know, it, it's the same kind of problem every time. They they can't seem to develop a genuine sense of stakes. And I don't know whether that's because the antagonist is is not strong enough as a character um not necessarily not physically strong enough but just not um what, what what's the best way to put it um not developed enough to to have a kind to feel like a a true adversary to you know the the, the iron fist in this um it just kind of feels like it's it's still very unsure as to whether they want to lean fully into the comic book lore of Iron Fist and, um, and as I said, the conventions of, of Kung Fu and martial arts uh, movies. And it, it just still see, feels like there isn't that much confidence in, in what they're doing. Um, and unfortunately, you said it, it kind of felt like it trickled down into the story for me. Um, and that's why... I think everything kind of felt so light to you in a way and, and not really having the weight and the stakes that it, it should have, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but one, I mean, we should probably talk about, uh, about the few of the things that we did like, cause it feels like we're just shitting on it all yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let's try and, um, uh, and do some of the positives. Um, I think that for me, I mean, who is your, your favorite character? In the series over. My favorite character, my favorite character in this season is the same one as it was in set in the first season, and mm. um and that's my the MVP for me was Ward. Mm. Ward is like, like I, I compare when I when I look at say like um like season two of Iron Fist when I start to look at the lineup, it almost becomes Buffy esque. So you've got <laughs> you, you know what I mean. So, so everybody's got like a particular um character or motion that they'll always display, and to me Ward is a type of character that Xander should have been. And Buffy, whereas like, okay, after first season, you know, you're a bit of a scaredy cat. You've seen werewolves, you've seen vampires, you've seen, you know, serpent women that try to take people's souls. Then you get the summer break. But when you come back, and you're, during your summer break, you go and you train like shit. Mm. And then you come back and you're just like, yeah, nothing phases me anymore. I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about that life. I'm about to throw down when need be. And I like that about Ward. Mm. Ward is probably the most normal person in it. I mean, aside from his own issues. And he just takes it just takes everything in his stride. And um and and I think he and to be honest, I just think he was he just acted the best in, in the in the show for for, mm. for what for what he was given. Like he was yeah. he he just he just he would he just seemed more natural. Mm. Not say that the others didn't seem natural, 
but he I think it, my I think my other half has said that he's acted quite for quite some years, and he's I think he was quite um, a staple on um you know the the soap opera um, shows in in the states and stuff. Yeah, so, Tom yeah. Pelfrey is his name. Is, I think. is it Tom Pelfrey? Listen, yeah. I'll call him I'll call him Wood. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so yeah, so I I, re- I really like this character, and then probably a close second, if not a joint first. It I would say at certain moments it would be clean, but then it wouldn't because she doesn't really feel like how clean Wing is in a comic book. But that's mm. me coming from another medium, mm. and that's um, that's something we can touch upon later on. But um, mm. but yeah, but Ward, I think Ward once again, um, yeah, he he did, he did really well in in, in this show for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like for me, I would probably say it was Colleen Wing, although I did like Ward a lot. Um, I think he, like, to echo what you've said, I've, I think he's the only character who really kind of has a true arc, almost, um, in a sense that he goes from, you know, being this conflicted, angry, um, slightly villainous character in season one to kind of hitting rock bottom at the beginning of season two and kind of trying to deal with his addiction and then ultimately becoming redeemed at, at the end. Um, you know, I, I, I like that. And he's done a really good job, Tom Pelfrey, that is with with the character in making him uh, believable, as you said, and, and natural. Um, and he works really, really well. So, yeah, he he, he definitely was uh, got a thumbs up from me. Um, Colleen remains my MVP because I just I love her and I love her so much. Um, I think she's just she's got so much charisma um jessica henwick she's she's just got so much charisma as an actor like it's just so easy to watch her on the screen um she makes everything look easy she deals with um the martial arts aspects brilliantly because she just looks like a a naturally gifted person who's light on her feet and can move like a fighter does in a convincing way um you know, she she deals with the dialogue very well. She provides. She deals with the humor very well. Um, and again, it just feels very natural. It doesn't feel like over the top uh, to me. Um, so Colleen, for me, is is probably the the character again that I enjoyed the most in this season. And I liked. I kind of liked what they did with with her kind of questioning her you know, her position and, and where she is in, in life at this point and sending her kind of on this journey of, of discovery about who she is and her ancestry and all of that. I, I found all of that quite interesting. Um, and I love the little nods to the comics, but we'll talk about the comics a bit later on because um, you can go into a bit of detail about the the background and, and you know, where the, the, the comic book differs from the TV show and so on in a bit. But um, I liked that they kind of tied her towards... Um, specific iron fists and the specific iron fist lineage as well um that just kind of as as a fanboy was like yay and that, that got me excited so yeah i like that um but yeah yeah colleen for me was was definitely my um my favorite character um aside from that who who else did you enjoy in the show uh misty was misty was you, you know what everybody everybody actually did a lot better mm. finn jones I mean, apart from him, basically, I mean, generally, he, he physically looks like he's aged a bit. <laughs> yeah, then, I thought that yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah, like you know, I like he, yeah, well, yeah, he's still got he's still got the pretty boy look, but mm-hmm. he but he seems to have aged a little bit, and he seems to be a bit more 
in tune with the character. Mm. But then, yet, yeah, it's still not as good as it was when he guest starred in Luke Cage um, episode 10. Oh, man. Um, yeah. 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 Well, remember um, when we, we first saw that, um, that episode in Luke Cage? Um, yeah. Remember when I spoke to you in work, where I was like, dude, this is like the, the, the comic book we've been collecting, the Power Man yeah. and Iron Fist comic book. Like, that yeah. whole episode just feels exactly like that. Like, this is the the Danny Rand and the Iron Fist that I know from, you know, back when I used to collect Power Man and Iron Fist way back in, in, in the day, you know, in the sort of early nineties when I used to collect the back issues from the original run in the seventies. Um, you know, that's kind of how I knew Danny Rand to be this slightly kind of um, slightly cocky, never really kind of takes anything seriously, but it's because he knows he's so good at what he does that he can kind of, crack jokes while he's punching people and you know like I, I always remember this specific fight that him and Luke Cage have um not him and Luke Cage sorry him and Luke Cage go and fight some gangsters in in one of the issues of Power Man and Iron Fist from back in the day and um Luke goes into this bar and is tearing up the bar and punching up all these guys and one of the guys is wearing a 10 gallon cowboy hat and in the middle of the fight Iron Fist stops and picks up the hat and puts it on his head and then starts beating people up and I just thought it was hilarious <laughs> And, um, you know, it felt like in, in that episode of Luke Cage in season, um, season two, that, that episode 10, like, it felt like they'd finally cracked it. It was like, yeah, this is, you know, this is the Danny Rand we want to see. This is the guy we, we, we kind of, we're all familiar with. And it's a character who's fun and, and, and is engaging and people can, you know, identify with far, vastly different to the character that we saw in season one. But it kind of felt like in season two, they just they never really built on what they did with him, you know, and, and me and Rich were both saying listeners that we feel that Iron Fist, um, Iron Fist season three needs to be written by whoever's writing Luke Cage. Just yeah. get the, yeah. the Luke Cage yeah. writers in um, because these guys obviously know what they're doing with that character and they, they know how to, to put him on the screen in, in a confident way, you know, um, mm. where it feels like here, there's still too much. Um, I, I guess, not vulnerability, that's the wrong word to use, but there, there's still too much uncertainty around, you know, Danny Rand and, and what he is and what his place is. And, you know, we, we went through all of that in season one. We don't need to go through it again in season two. Like, let's see something different. And, yeah, I hear you. Like, Finn Jones is better in this. Uh, the, the performance is you know, the character is written in a lot less annoying way. He's not as whiny and as as just pathetic as <laughs> as he was in season one he's yeah. definitely better um in that regard but yeah there isn't enough for him to chew on really um in season two and there isn't enough as said just confidence in him um that, that comes through for me so so yeah that's a bit of a disappointment um you mentioned one of the other characters who's been introduced into this season um who nobody has really seen before um, and that's Typhoid Mary. Now, in the that's her comic book name, listeners, for those of you that don't know, but we're referring to the character um, called, I think, Mary Walker is her name yeah. in, in the show. Um, Rich, can you just do like a little bit of comic book background for who Typhoid Mary is? Oh, well, basically, I mean, if I remember correctly, I'm, I'm sure she's a mutant. Or, yeah, I'm sure she's a mutant. And basically what she suffers from is she suffers from, well, what I used to call schizophrenia, but they call now dissociative uh, 
memory disorder is that what it, is that is that what yeah it, is that dissociative disorders is, is yeah, dissociative, kind of yeah. yeah so so basically so she suffers from you know three different um she has basically three different um personas in her and each persona you know reacts or you know can reacts in a particular way to different situations and each persona actually has different skills um in the comic book the thing that i love is that a couple of the personas actually have different powers so one persona has pyrokinetic powers in which she has the ability to to control uh, any form of like flames or fire with her mind and then the, and then another persona has slight telekinetic um, abilities so she's able to move things with her mind um so she essentially she has the same one of the powers that Jean Grey has if if anybody's a fan of the X-Men out there um and she was basically she i mean i was first introduced to her in the eight, late 80s like early yeah, yeah yeah before the early 90s yeah so late 80s and um she was she was basically hired as um the kingpin to become a you know to become basically an assassin for him so and i mean anybody who's a fan of like the daredevil comic books will basically know that typhoid mary is basically she's originally a daredevil villain hmm. and um and there was a period when she was invented by sorry to cut you off she was invented oh, by yeah? frank miller wasn't she yeah, yeah, she's a bit of a Frank Miller. I mean, you could, so yeah, I mean, no, no, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, anybody who's a fan of the Netflix TV shows or is now a fan of Daredevil, if you if you want any form of backgrounds to some of the Daredevil shows, um, go and pick up the Frank Miller run. Frank mm. Miller's run is where he basically he created the Hand, he created Ninjas, he created Stick, he created Electra, he created Typhoid Mary, and um, and it and it's pretty much worth your time investing to read to read everything that he's done with that character. But, um, but there was a period when um, there was literally just this ongoing battle in New York or Hell, Hell's Kitchen specifically between Daredevil and the Kingpin. And Kingpin was just just hiring all of these basically different assassins to try and to try and take out Daredevil. Mm. And Typhoid Mary basically happened to be one. And um, I, I find it quite interesting that they that they decided to take a villain from Daredevil and, and then introduce that person into, into Iron Fist. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it it works because they're both street level characters, but I don't know. It just feels like she would have suited the the setting of Daredevil more, mm-hmm. and it could have and and the way how Daredevil is set up as a show, they could have gone a bit deeper with how raw she is, because mm-hmm. because in the comic book she's she's a lot darker. One one of the personas, if not the main persona, has suffered um abuse, uh, mental and physical abuse, by by various men throughout throughout her life as well. Which is one of the things that fuels the character as well. Which is, um, yeah, you know, in fact, just just thinking back to it, anybody who hasn't read Frank Miller's Daredevil comic books, go and pick up those lines. They're really, really dark, but they're not dark for no reason. They they have they have they deal with quite some, you know, quite unspoken issues that that you know that you don't normally get in comic books, but is used within context of a really, really good story. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, listeners. That's definitely a recommendation. So if you haven't read those before, go pick them up. You can find them in Comixology on the Comixology app. You can find them um, online at Marvel as well. Um, definitely go and read those books because they're they're fantastic. I mean, they're they're probably the books that made me kind of f- uh, fall in love with Daredevil, the character. Really, um, it is probably that that Frank Miller run. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I agree. I think um, Alice Eve was is the actress who played um, yeah. Mary in this. And I thought she was phenomenal. Like the performance is just, wow, like so good. Like the, the way in which she 
portrayed the, the 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 disassociative disorder and and the multiple personalities on screen was was excellent like you know every time she was on the screen I, I was truly gripped by what she was doing um but yeah it just i don't know maybe it's the comic book guy head like in, in my brain i was kind of like but this doesn't fit like <laughs> she's not supposed to be an iron fist it doesn't make sense like and um, they use the character, you know, reasonably well, I think, in, in the show. Um, but it just, yeah, it just seemed odd to me. Like, it, it kind of felt like she belonged more, like you said, either in Daredevil or where I would have loved to have seen her was in Je Jessica Jones because those two characters um, have history in, in the current Marvel continuity and um, they actually play off each other, like, brilliantly well as well. Um, you get some serious banter between the two of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, even in Jessica Jones, she, she could have appeared in there, and that would have been like fascinating to me to see those two kind of go at it. But um, but yeah, it did feel a bit like a bit weird that she was there. Um, I, I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's necessarily because something was wrong with the way that she was portraying um, the character. I don't. Well, no, I don't think it was. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the way she was portraying the character. I think it's just maybe the the storyline that they were telling it kind of felt a bit odd for for her to be there i guess the way the best way i can can explain it is to me it would be like if bullseye showed up in that season um, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It, it would you know the 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 there's part of me that would fanboy out be like, oh my god it's bullseye but then there'd be another part of me and but, but that would be like but wait you know why are you here it doesn't kind of fit with the character that I know from the comic books and also the character that is being portrayed in the series. So, so yeah, that was, um, that, that was a bit of a confusing one, really. It was a bit of a confusing one. Um, the other characters, I mean, Davos, I thought walked a very fine line between being very stoic um, and warrior-like and being very bland and boring. Um, yeah. And it's a thin line. It's a really thin line. And I feel it a bit for the actor, um, Sacha Darwan, because um, I don't think he did anything wrong at all with the character. I think he was um, certainly on a physical level. He, For me, he, he really embodies um, Davos, the, the sort of leader of the Steel Serpent there. Um, you know, he really does embody that in, in a great way. But I just kind of felt like, again, because of the way his character was written, it was it was very dangerous, you know, it kind of felt like in some scenes, that, oh, oh God, this guy is like so emotionless that mm. it's like, it's becoming ridiculous to to watch, you know? Um, but I felt he did an okay job. And, and as I said, physically, I think he, you know, I really enjoyed his martial arts scenes. I really did. I, I really got um, a real sense of his power, especially when he, he eventually steals the, the power of the Iron Fist and, and he's using it. Um, you know, I got a real sense of, of just how powerful he was. Um, and his movement was was so economical. And, you know, it, it seemed like a like the, the, the fighting style was telling us exactly what we needed to know about this character, which is what a good, you know, martial arts scene should do. It should tell you through the martial arts exactly what you need to know about this person's character. Um, and I felt that, you know, in, in the fight scenes that he had, it, it did that. It showed you how he doesn't waste movement, time, energy, and things like that. He's singularly kind of focused on his goal. Um, 
and so you know i enjoyed those those kind of aspects um what did you think of davos because he's pretty much like the i guess i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong but he's probably like iron fist's biggest villain right yeah yeah i mean like he's, he's basically the nemesis of iron fist mm. um you know <clears throat> um like you said i mean the, the character the character was the character was okay but like you said but there, there was there was a blandness to him and but it was weird because he was so bland Mm. That I, 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 it got to some point that he was just like over emotional, mm. and 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 the other thing as well is that I didn't the overall plan that he had, I couldn't buy into it. No, no, yeah, yeah. that that was that that did suck us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, yeah, was it, like, yeah. It, it just didn't make it didn't make sense. Like you know, yeah. you're this warrior. And I, you know, I can understand what they were trying to do. Like, you know, you're just warrior, and you finally got something which you, which you, which you firmly believe belongs to you, and you, you know, and then you go and then you decide that you're going to go and you know create your own cult of the Iron Fist, and then you go and get these kids. And I understand what he's saying, where he's like, you know, you need to start young first, and you know, go do X, Y, Z. But that's not how businesses run. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen enough, I've seen enough gangster movies, Godfather included, to know like, well, you know what. When you come into any form of power or you want to make a power move or a power play, when you're in a certain position, what happens is that you go and speak to the next person who's on the same level as you. Mm-hmm. So, 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 I never, so it never made sense. Like, you, you know, you would have thought that he's now got this power and he'd, he'd be like, OK, listen, I'm going to go see Mr. Mr. Ying down the road who, who, you know, who owns this part. And I'm going to tell him that I'm taking over. I mean, like they they do they even do it in a dark night with the Joker when he when the Joker gets all of the crime bosses to meet up and say it's like okay guys, I'm now running shit and you're gonna go kill the bat or I'm gonna go kill the bat for you, and yeah so so I never really fed into Davos's plan, it just felt, to be honest, his plan made him sound and feel like what we like how Danny Rand sounded and felt like in the first season. He just mm. he just felt like a whiny kid. Yeah, ro- uh, and very um, robotic. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. So um, yeah, so yeah, so I mean, like, I mean, I mean, apart from that, I mean, the physicality that that Sasha was that that Sasha brought to to the role of of, of Davos, um, especially in in the martial arts, was 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 amazing. Mm. I mean, I, I follow all of these guys on on Instagram as well, and Sasha was always posting, you know, little you know little clips on Instagram, showcasing him training. With, with with the stunt with you know with the stunt with the stunt team and with um, Clayton Barber who is the the choreographer for the show as well, and um and I like the fact that they don't try and make him appear, you know, any bigger or taller than he is. Like mm. I, I think that there's even one bit in one of the episodes where Ward has actually met Davos, but he doesn't know who Davos is. Yeah. And then when that da- yeah when Danny's been handed his ass to him by Davos and they and it, you know they all meet up and it and Ward finds out that Davos has beat up Danny and he goes like. Davos and he make and he makes his hand to make like a like like a little height thing mm. to you know to, to showcase that this guy is small and I like that mm. so because there's you know they could have easily just got someone who is just like you know you know looks the perfect way and you know an X Y Z and like okay he has to be six foot he has to look like this he has to have a scar and they're like no we're gonna choose the best person for the job so as much as I like have a couple of issues with the way that the character of Davos was portrayed. Everything that he was basically given, I think Sasha basically still smashed it out of the park. Mm, mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, this is not a, a, a. I certainly don't intend for this to be a criticism of of him personally. I don't think 
that he did anything wrong at all um, mm. in terms of what he was given. You know, the, he worked with what he was given um, and he did as good a job as, as can be expected, really. Um, and as you said, with the martial arts, he was terrific. You know, he was, for for me, him and, and Colleen Wing, um, Jessica Henwick are the two, the two people who look the most natural when it comes to doing martial arts on on the screen, um, you know, and and it's the most enjoyable. And I enjoyed the martial arts the most when it was those two um, who were involved. So, yeah, I mean, kudos to him definitely for you know the what he brought to the the physicality of the role and to to the character. Um, unfortunately, it's more just the way that the writers have chosen to to use um, his character that's. I think has caused the, the problem there, really. Mm, mm. Um, it was nice to see Turk. Uh, it was yeah. good to see Turk pop up as well. Um, I like that. I, I, I wondering if if Turk is now going to replace um, Claire Temple because that's what that's like, what, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, because um, sadly uh, Rosario Dawson is is no longer going to be part of these shows, and I'm still kind of heartbroken about it. And I know Richard is too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, Turk was was popped up in there and, and had a nice little cameo as well, which which I enjoyed. Um, so yeah, man, keep the Turk cameos coming. That, that that's cool. Uh, I like Turk. Um, what else was there? Uh, were there any other characters? Um, some of the other underlings I thought were a bit kind of like nah, again were a bit sort of bland. I mean, I guess they were supposed to be underlings and um, you know throwaway kind of bad guys. So. They didn't really need to go into too much detail with them and with the characters and so on. But, yeah, they just felt a bit uh, randomly sort of interchangeable. You know, at certain points I forgot because um, there's two factions uh, in the story, listeners. There's um, the, what is they called? The Hatchets and then there's the Iron, is it the Iron Tiger? Yeah, the, yeah um, the, Iron the Golden Tigers. Golden Tiger, that's it, yeah. sorry. The, the Golden Tigers. Um, so they're two, you know, kind of triad criminal gangs who are competing for um, control of, of Chinatown. Um, and it felt to me like a lot of them were just interchangeable faces, man. I mean, I know yeah. there was there was Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Yang, I think her name was, um, who was one of the, the head of, I think, of the Hatchets, was it? She's the head yeah, of? Yeah, yeah, she is the Hatchets, yeah. Oh, maybe, um, maybe not. I don't. You know what? <laughs> that just that, well, that this just, is the thing. Just, I mean, this shows is the, people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that, that's exactly the point I was going to make. It they become so interchangeable and so, you know, it's so difficult to differentiate between which one is which that you kind of forget who's who. But at that certain point, so yeah, I, I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even clock which gang she was the head of, really. But yeah, she's head of one of the gangs anyway. Um, but yeah, I felt it was. It, <sighs> As said they they were just a bit too interchangeable for me and a bit too kind of oh and you've got this gang over here and this gang over there and uh, don't worry about any of their names you just need to know that they're there and um that i felt a little bit shortchanged with really um and i'm guessing you felt the same um well the thing is yeah i mean i did and i think a way how they could well what it was is that they felt interchangeable that's number one and number two, they didn't feel like there was enough of them. Mm, mm. That's the thing. And the way how the hatchets and the, and the golden tigers were is the same problem that I that I had with the way how the hand 
were dealt with in the defenders. Mm, mm. So, so you know, so like you, you see, yeah. so you see them, you see certain members pull off certain things, and then basically, then you're kind of given like a backstory through exposition, you know, of of them talking about it, and you're expecting a lot more. And by the time they do pop up on screen, like you said, it's just like, yeah, well, you're just a, well, we know we know our characters are badasses. Mm. So if you come out with like six guys, okay, cool, fair enough, they're going to be handed to them, but make it. Like you said, once again, raise the stakes. Mm. Even if it, even if it's just even if it's just like you know Star Trek guys in red suits who are who are like who are expendable, mm. then have a hundred guys on each side and just just make it make it feel a bit more like a turf war. And um yeah and, and like I said once again, it, it it falls down to like raising the stakes. Like it it didn't it did I didn't feel like they were in danger. And at mm. that, and so, and because of that, like I said, like you know, like you said, Jason, they were just able to be thrown away. They were just throwaway characters. Mm. I mean, there, there was one character that was introduced, who was set up to be like Madam, yeah, Madam, what's her name again? Madam Yang, Madam Ying. Uh, oh, like Madam Gao. No, 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 no. In in season two, so the lady oh, who's sorry, yeah, uh, Miss, Mrs. Mrs. Chang, I think her name is Miss, Mrs. Mrs. Chang. Chang. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you remember Mrs. Chang's um main bodyguard? Um, I don't remember his name. His name escapes me. I, I can yeah, see yeah, him yeah. in my mind's eye. But, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't remember his name. Yeah. But like, but like, but like, there, there's this this whole setup that this might this guy might be like a badass, and it just mind there's a there's a there's a, one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons is a bit where I think Bart does some form of like running between two gangs in um in Springfield and it's two triad gangs and they end up having like this big martial arts fight on his front lawn. And Bart and Bart Simpson and Homer Simpson are sitting in a house, looking, watching this fight out the window. And Homer's like, "Listen, you got to go upstairs to your bed. This is too violent." And Bart goes, "No, but Dad, there's a guy outside in a white suit, and he hasn't started fighting yet. And I know the minute he starts to fight, it's gonna be awesome." Oh, yeah, do you remember, remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, <laughs> you remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, went, and I think he's drinking a coffee. So he's doing something, and something happens where basically he ends up fighting and starts it's, sparking it's, everybody. It's Homer and Marge. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's Homer. Marge, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, and then, and then basically like, and he gets thrown through the window, and he, when he comes through the window, he goes so sorry, and then he jumps yeah. back out and starts beating people. So once again, you've got this character who's who's been touted as you know Madam Yang's or Madam Chang's, Madam Ying, Mrs. Madam Chang. Gao, Mrs. Chang, <laughs> Mrs. Chang, <laughs> Mrs. Chang, <laughs> yeah, you got you know Miss Mrs. Chang's bodyguard, and he even has like a bit of a standoff of like with like Danny Rand. And then he comes against against Davos, and fair enough, you know that he's not going to be able to beat to beat Davos, but it's such a throwaway scene, you know. Like, don't don't build things up and then just like just grab it away from underneath us. Mm. And he's a prime example of someone who had a name and had speakable lines, but he still feels the same as the rest of everybody else, who's just like you said, is just expendable or interchangeable. Whether whether you're a hatchet or whether you're a golden tiger. You know, it, it doesn't really matter. And that's the problem that I had with the villains in this show. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, very much so, man. All right, well, I mean, I don't think there's much more to, to cover in the, the plot and the characters itself. Um, but, Rich, I mean, in terms of, like, kind of the, the Easter eggs that, that we got, um, can you explain a little bit about, like, you know, the, the things like the body in, in the coffin, um, you know, and, and particularly the ending scene as well of the season for those who've seen it. Um, you know, they're, they're very kind of specific sort of Easter eggs to Iron Fist lore from the comics. So can you just delve a little bit into to that and, and what they mean and why they were there? Wait a minute, buddy in a coffin. What buddy in a coffin? 
<laughs> you know the um when davos goes to take the um uh dragon tattoo off of the chest Ooh, of a dead holy shit hokey, hokey smokes okay yeah, yeah. all right yes yeah, so, so basically i mean i'm not i can't even remember if they make this a thing in season one of iron fist but basically as far as we know there have been 66 iron fists mm. throughout mm. time I um, think they, they make a slight reference to it in season one because remember there's yeah. the footage that they show in black and white of yeah. some fighting um, Nazi soldiers. So, yeah, you do get like a tiny, tiny reference to it. Yeah. Well, well, well basically, that footage that you see in season one, if they're going by comic book lore, that, that actually is Orson Randall. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so basically, so, so the, the body in the coffin is, you know, is, uh, is, is another Iron Fist. Uh, from from what period we we don't know, and that's what they used to, to get the power, which I I found quite, you know, th that did excite me a bit because I like the fact that they're kind of delving into the history of the Iron Fist, and in fact I think, um, and me personally, I think going back to the whole thing of like maybe making the season like, I mean, in fact, are we going are we actually going to talk about the things that we would have done to make the season better at some point? Um, yeah, I think we could do that on a separate recording yeah? yeah 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 okay yeah yeah okay all right yeah so yeah so so i i love that thing of like just once again bringing you know bringing home the fact that that danny rand isn't the only iron fist um and then obviously you've got the whole thing of colleen now being an iron fist although i actually don't believe that she has the power of shaolau i reckon she is from a descendant from a she's a descendant of one of let's say one of the immortal weapons mm -hmm. which we kind of got which we kind of saw in season one but was actually one of the most piss poor things i've ever seen on television and to top it off was actually directed by the rizza so if anybody remembers in season one there's a bit where danny has to go through these trials and he has to fight against these these different gatekeepers mm -hmm. and um and basically what and what it is don't, yeah don't remind people man. <laughs> yeah and and and, and 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 what it is and then each of those characters is a is a defender of a city so for example the iron fist is the defender of the of you know of the realm of Kunlun, and you know so like and, and any other immortal weapon is a defender for their realm as well. So I reckon that's what Colleen may be. I don't reckon she actually has the Iron Fist. Um, I just think that they they just think that's the way because they've been, there's been some form of like miscommunication in a translation of whatever they found or whatever they read on the back of that you know that coin. Mm. Um, the the Easter egg at the end with um with Danny shooting the two guns. I mean, that's just a bit of like, once again, it's a bit of a hark back to the, the Matt Fraction run in which uh, the character of Orson Randall is actually introduced. And he is someone that has basically read the book of the Iron Fist. And he know he actually knows quite a few more techniques or quite a lot more techniques than Danny Rand does. And one of them is basically being able to channel the Iron Fist power into into weapons which aren't actually attached to him. So, you know, they make reference to a character that um, in season two, who is who Colleen is actually um, a descendant of. And in a comic book, she uses a bow and arrow and she's able to use the, the power of the Iron Fist to charge the bow and the arrow and to fire flames, um, you know, flaming arrows. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, th those are the Easter eggs that I saw. <clears throat> there was another Easter egg, which I'm not sure if I'm actually correct about now, but there's one bit where Mad Mrs. Chang finds a dead, um, finds a dead body and sees a playing card. And mm. I thought that might be Bullseye as like a teaser to, you know, um, Daredevil season three, because that's meant to be the main villain. But um, but nobody seems to be 
really kind of backing me up on that. So I'm just going to keep that, you know, that, 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 that thing to myself until I'm either proven wrong or I'm proven right. Cool, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, as always, as you know, Richard is our resident um, comic book encyclopedia. Um, and he's now on Twitter as well. So if you have some questions about what you saw in Iron Fist, feel free to holler at him, man, and let him know. And I'm sure he'll help you out with that. Um, yeah, so what's, what's your final score, I guess, overall for, <clears throat> for this season? Uh, I would give it a C-. minus. Mm-hmm. Which is good because first season would have got like a U. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, a big fat F. No, no, because no, because no, no, because no, because F. No, because F means that you turned up and did shit. Nah, fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> U means that you didn't even get your name right. Like you spelled like. <laughs> yeah, you put numbers instead of letters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear that. I hear that. Um, yeah, I think I agree with you. I agree with C minus as well. Um, I think that's fair. Um, I think there are some things. This season's definitely an improvement on the first season um, on some levels. Um, but there's still, it feels like there's still work to do for me to to really kind of get this character up to the standard that, well, the show really up to the standard of of the other um, Marvel Netflix TV shows, really. So, yeah, mm. I, I would agree with that. Um, okay, listeners, well, we'll let you know how you can get in touch with us at the end of the podcast, so make sure you're listening. Um, uh, there'll be a, a little bit at the end just to let you know what our contact details are and, and how you can, as I said, get in touch with us. So if you do want to chat about this, you can do. All right, let's, um, before we wrap it up, Rich, quickly do our question of the week answers. So um, for those of you that have been listening for a while now, you should probably know that we do a question of the week every week and we put it out there to our listeners and to our followers on social media. Um, and you guys respond and it's always fun so um we had another go at it um because as i'd mentioned at the top of the show i saw uh, the equalizer 2 recently um it got me to thinking as to what you know would be considered or what people would consider the best and the worst movies of denzel washington um he's a screen legend you know he's got over 50 film credits he's um been there done it he's won it all he's seen it all um so, you know, I just thought it would be fun to to get different people's kind of um, views on that, really. So uh, I'll dive in with some of the answers that we got. Um, and as always, a big shout out to you if you hear your name called out. Um, so on Instagram, we got Drea Fruquet. She said that um, the best she couldn't decide was either American Gangster or Man on Fire. Um, and the worst is the Mighty Quinn. Um, yeah, I agree with that immensely because the Mighty Quinn, like, I don't know why I go on with that accent there. Um, <laughs> boy, they, they were on some next ship with the Mighty Quinn. They really were. Um, but American Gangster, Man on Fire, both solid movies. Yep. And he's great in those. So, yeah, I'm cool with that. Um, Sharpie said the Malcolm X was the best and the worst was the Mighty Quinn again. <laughs> a bit of a theme running here. Um Presh Mahone said uh, best he couldn't decide. It was either Mo Better Blues or Inside Man. Um, and the worst is Deja Vu. Um, Deja Vu, it's not that bad. It's it's not a great movie, but Denzel's all right in it. I mean, I, I didn't think it was, you know, that terrible, to be honest. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Jared from Hashtag Blackout 
said the best is probably Glory. And uh, he thought the worst was either Two Guns or the Mighty Quinn. Um, a bit harsh on Two Guns. He, he's yeah, I, like two, two I like Two Guns. I like Two Guns, man. Yeah, two Guns is all right. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, yeah, okay, it's not Glory, but it's it's a fun movie, man. And he Denzel has a lot of fun with the character. Yeah, that, that's harsh. But but the Mighty Quinn again, <laughs> because <laughs> they're, they're, as I said, there's a theme here. Uh, let's see. We only got a couple more anyway. Um, the others are uh, Andy Beak on Facebook said Training Day was um, the best and the worst is The Preacher's Wife. I've not even seen The Preacher's Wife. I think that's the one with Whitney Houston, is it? Yeah, it um, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've not even seen that, so I can't even comment on that. Um, and finally to EA Swanson on Twitter, she said uh, that Training Day is his best movie and the worst is Carbon Copy. Um, which is a good shout because Carbon Copy is an old movie. It's from like 19, God, when was it now? 82, I want to say, or 83. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a shit film. Carbon Copy <laughs> really is a shit film. Um, Rich, what about you, Ben? Because I, did, I, I didn't really ask you. So what what's your best and worst for Denzel? I think my, my best is probably Training Day. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just love him in that. Um, and I like him in Two Guns as well. Mm. I like Denzel when he's got the swag. Mm. I like that. Um, and I think it's something that we've we've only really been privy to as he's gotten later on in his career, which is a bit which is a bit upsetting. Mm. Um, I'd say that his worst. Um, in fact, it was just it was just. In fact, you know, I'm not a fan of the um, the Book of Eli. Oh yeah 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 okay. I, yeah I, I'm not, and, and it's not because he he actually acts bad in it, but I just think that. Denzel, as much as he's a physical, you know, he's he's you know he's a big guy. I just don't think he does particular types of action very well. And mm. um and since that was quite a, like a, an action laden film, like yeah, it it just kept every time he tried to do something physical, it just kept on taking me out of it. But there's another film that he did. Um, fuck, how can I forget? Virtuosity. Oh, <laughs> Lord. that's what I was going to say for the worst as well. That film oh, is serious. <laughs> Him and um, Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe yeah. is like one of his early um, well, Hollywood movies, wasn't well, it? I think, I think that's his first, that's his it, first, yeah, yeah, that, that is his movie. first one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, 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 virtuosity, bloody <laughs> hell, listeners. If you've ever seen that, I, I feel it for you, man, because that is sci fi at his worst. I, I swear it came out in kind of like that, um. That sort of mid '90s period where Hollywood suddenly rediscovered William Gibson books, and everybody wanted to try and do yeah, yeah, like some yeah, William yeah, Gibson yeah. adaptation and do it badly, and it just yeah, it was it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. It was yeah, virtuosity would would be my worst, um, and I think best. Yeah, it's tricky because there's so many of of his characters that I've liked. I mean, I, I like. Training Day a lot, um, and Alonzo Harris and what he did with that. I like um, Malcolm X. Obviously, is is uh, you know a, a pivotal role in his career. Um, but I think it would probably be Glory. Um, I like his character mm. in Glory Trip um, because he just brings so much humanity to to that character. And um, you know, I, I can never forget the the scene where he's he gets whipped for um, running away. Um, but re- in reality, he hadn't actually run away and deserted. He'd gone to go and get boots so that he could sign up and, and, and fight in the war. Um, but his army superiors believed he'd run away and 
Um, so they tied him to this post and whipped him in front of everybody. Um, and I remember he he just conveys pain so much in his face. And there's this single tear that like kind of rolls down his his cheek, but he's his face is just kind of screwed up with with anger and hurt, and it's all in his eyes as well. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it's amazing, just an amazing, amazing scene. And it, it just kind of shows you the the quality of the actor that he is when when he's on his A game. Really, he's just you mm. know phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, in so, fact, you know what? In fact, mm. you know, there's another one that I liked. I liked him in um, Cry Freedom, where he played Steve Biko. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He was and, phenomenal. Um, yeah, well. and I and, and the other one, I can't remember if this is a bad film or not because it's been when I tell you it's been years mm. since I saw this film. But there was another one where he played a police officer, and he was basically going against John Lithgow. Ricochet. 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 Oh my yeah. days. Oh I love my that film, days. <laughs> oh my days. Listen, that film yeah, there. I love that film, yeah. man. Ricochet. I, you know, you know what it is? I just remember the bit. The only thing I always remember is the bit where he has the initial face-off with John Lithgow's character. Yeah, it's like a fairground or something like that, isn't it? Is that a fairground? Yeah, and he makes him strip. Yeah. He makes yeah. them watch it. And the thing is, and I mean, no homo, not that there's anything wrong with it. But once again, I remember being, when I think back to it, I remember seeing a black actor in a position of power. And there's a bit where he kind of, you know, he strips and the way how he's controlling the situation. And he's like, okay, listen to me, man. Listen, I'm here. I've got what you want, you know, X, Y, Z. You don't believe me? I'm going to do this. And he takes off, you know, <clears throat> and, he, and, he, and he slowly start, starts to strip, you know. And even where he's, in the position of basically like, you know, being quite vulnerable, he still, he still seemed quite strong. And mm. my memory of that, when I think back to it right now, is that I don't remember seeing or having that representation of a black man on screen in that way, mm. Mm. which is, which no, is really, re which is really weird just thinking about mm. it now. Mm. And, um, and, and, I, and I remember, and, you know, and seeing and Denzel, like, because at that point, when I think back to it on TV and television, um, you didn't have black characters like that. They were always a sidekick. So the only other person, when even like, like I said, thinking about it now as I'm, as I'm going through memory banks or whatever you want to call them, um, I think the only other person on television who was black and, you know, had a decent job or was like, you know, didn't, wasn't just like a token character was Blair Underwood in, you know, in L.A. Law. Mm. So yeah, so so yeah, so yeah, so I think Ricochet, Ricochet holds like a. I haven't seen it in years, but it holds a little special place in my heart just because mm. Denzel is just a badass in that. He's he's like he's like the original Wesley, <laughs> like in, in that in that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricochet is a is a quality quality film. Um, definitely check that out, listeners. I mean, that Ricochet is a um, a little action movie. It kind of came out around the time of Die Hard, so you started to get a lot of these kind of concept action movies come out around that that period. Um, and Ricochet, yeah, is a is an overlooked classic, man. It it really is. Um, it's a lot of fun, as you said. It's, it's Denzel Washington and John Lithgow. Like, what what more could you want? Do you know what I mean? Like, really, what more do you need? That you know that that's it, imagine those two just chewing up scenery together. It's, it's, it's brilliant. Um, yeah, so that's it, man. We'll, we'll uh, wrap this episode up. Uh, thanks a lot for listening to us, folks. Um, make sure you subscribe to all of our podcast channels if you like what you hear. Um, Rich kid, where can people shout at you on Twitter now? Rich, Jesus Christ, I need to find it. <laughs> <laughs> it is rich underscore reviews 266. 
cool. <laughs> there you go, people. So yeah. yeah, you know where to go to go and have a shout at him as said on Twitter. Make sure you send him lots of pictures as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> before we go as well, we'll just say a couple of quick thank yous. Um, firstly to Rob Wade from Emotionally 14. Um, we are now E14 endorsed. Um, what that means, well, you'll find out when you listen to the end of the podcast and you listen to our trail there, but um, make sure you look out for uh, Emotionally 14 on social media. Also, big thanks, as always, to the Britpod Scene Collective as well for their support. Um, and as I said, don't forget to check out our other podcasts as well. The Bebop Rewatch will be back this week. Um, so we're up to session six at the moment, and that one should be a really good one as well. So uh, make sure you jump all over that too. All right. I'm out of here. Let's say good night. Rich, say good night. Good night. And it's good night from me. Take care of yourselves, people, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to us. If you're down with Wulong Talks, show some love by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Wulong Talks. You can also find us online at www.wulongtalks.com or drop us an email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found as part of the Brickpod Scene Collective and we're also officially E14 endorsed. Search for those hashtags to enjoy more content from us and from other great British podcasters. 